Prep Baseball Report North Carolina podcast. I'm Brandon Hall, the Mid-Atlantic Director of Scouting. He's Matt Payne, our North Carolina Director of Scouting. We're both here in North Carolina. And Matt, it's been a while since we've done this, but uh, happy to be back on the podcast. It has been a while, but uh, always enjoy doing them and looking forward to doing some more. My wife told me this morning, I don't think we've done a podcast since Georgia's won the last two national titles. So I may be jeopardizing our run here uh, as a big Georgia fan. I grew up in Atlanta before moving to North Carolina. Um, I may be jeopardizing our run of national titles with this podcast rebooting, but I'm willing to take that chance to get information out about the players we see. <laughs> that's that's bold right there. I know how big a Georgia fan <laughs> you are. So uh, three peats hard anyway, you know. So Kirk, Kirby needs a break. Well, don't don't think in the, in the way my mind works. If they don't win it next year, we won't stop this in a big hurry. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got a we got a ton of things that we're going to be excited to talk to baseball fans about as we we progress the podcast on. We're adding multimedia. We're adding video. We're trying to do more things on social media. We're trying to highlight more players. Um, but looking back, you know, the podcast gives us a chance to to communicate with people in a little bit different way, talk about players in a little bit different way other than just writing. I think it also gives us a chance to put faces with names. Um, you know, and as many high school games as you saw last year, as many high school games as I saw last year, gives us a chance to reflect on those things. And then people can, you know, hopefully see us at games and talk to us and kind of understand how hard we're working to, to bring the information, but also to know the talents across the state. No doubt. And I think when you do this, you can you can say some things or put things differently than you than you do when you, you try to put pen to paper and and put it out there. And then some people may may rather listen than than read what we write anyway. Well, I joke all the time, too. We're I, I'm a baseball guy. I mean, I can get down and I can write it. And, you know, some some of our guys that work for us are better writers than others. And some of them can't write at all. And God bless them. But, you know, sitting around and talking is what baseball guys do. And so hopefully this is something that takes off and gives us a chance to really connect with the fans that are out there. For sure. We got coming up uh, our first big event of the winter. It's, it's going to be our second event, but it's really our, our first showcase, you know, uh, high talent event with the uh, preseason All-State starting. And, um, you know, I know it's one of your favorite events of the year with the preseason All-State. So we got four this year. We're going to open up with the South and Waxhaw just outside of Charlotte on Sunday. What are you looking forward to most with this winter, with these winter events? They're exciting every year, and, you know, it usually happens after we have a little downtime, don't run events. So getting back around the kids and, and every year it seems like guys show up you haven't seen in, in two or three months, and the first thing you notice is how much their bodies changed over the winter. Right. And um, guys are dedicated to the weight room and speed and agility, and, and seeing those bodies mature and the work they put in is is always a fun time for me. Well, I, I joke. I've got people in our cul-de-sac, and i, I got a couple eighth graders that are – getting ready for their seasons and, and seeing that transition, that growth, even this past week with the East Coast Dodgers of guys that we saw when they were seventh and eighth graders. And now we're seeing them as ninth and 10th graders. And, you know, that transition, that transformation from boy to man is really starting. And then you see guys that, you know, maybe we haven't seen, like you said, in a year and then they show up and, and they, they completed that transformation. There's man strength in their hands. They're handling the bat in a lot different way. They're spinning the ball differently. So as much as, as we try to go on, you know, projection and really saying, okay, this is what a player has a chance to be, it, it can take hold very quickly, you know, especially with the way some of these guys are spinning the baseball now. And 
um, you know, watching that hand strength, that grip strength translate into stuff on the mound is it's especially fun for me with my background as a pitching guy. And, you know, I'm sure from your standpoint, you probably enjoy a little bit more of the hitting side and letting the ball fly in those big cages. No doubt. And, and each year you see guys who they, they clean up their swing a little bit, clean up their pre-pitch a little bit. And, you know, that you see them starting to figure stuff out and you can look at that guy and say, he has a chance to have a big, big spring, big summer, and he's going to open some eyes. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that we do, we have to be careful of is, you know, guys are coming right out of workouts. Their, um, their arm speeds may be going through that transitions. They may not be, they may be spraying the ball a little bit. Um, you know, maybe the velocity in a bullpen is a little bit higher than what it'll play in a game when they're now they're throwing every sixth day and going through that. But it gives us a really good glimpse of what they, what they have a chance to be. Um, but I think one of the important factors of what we do is we take this glimpse and then we're going to go see 300 high school games this spring. And so we can kind of marry the, um, the, the evaluation from the indoor setting, the evaluation from a showcase setting to the evaluation in game. You know, and I think that has an important piece to what we do in telling our story to the college coaches and pro scouts that subscribe to us. No doubt. And I think it, it's hard for kids at times, but, we don't expect their best number this time of year and college right. coaches and pro scouts don't either. It's, it's kind of a baseline of here's where I am coming out of my off season workout. It's going to get better as the year goes. And, and the name slip in my mind, but then we had a right-handed pitcher went with us to um, the future games last year that showed up at preseason all state tall right-hander. He started game three for us. Um, Trey so the dirt bags were who Trey Roberts, Trey Roberts. Trey Roberts was at preseason all state last year and, and you know, it, it was okay. The, the stuff was okay, but just standing behind him and watching him and watching how long his limbs were and how athletic he moved and the rhythm he had for just a long lanky frame. I didn't care what the stuff played up to be, you know, because you're sitting there going, man, that, that guy's got a chance to throw really hard and he was showing you enough command in the bullpen. And then we tracked him. We tracked him a little bit in the high school season. We tracked him definitely in the summer you know, and eventually we're able to offer him a spot in our future games uh, team. And, you know, he goes down to Atlanta and Lake Point. He gets Team Missouri and throws in front of 400 college coaches. Um, you know, and, and his outing, as I remember, was a, a pretty tough one because it was actually raining as he started. And, um, it wasn't ideal. It wasn't pristine. But, again, that idea of what college coaches are looking for, we all, we all want to see a guy at his best so we know. We all would really like to see a guy really terribly kind of fail. How does he handle failure? How does he – how do, what is the body language like? What does he come back and do his next outing? But we get a ton of information out of just about every environment we see players. And so with Trey's progress and what we saw preseason All-State, what we saw future games, what we saw in between, gave us a lot of intel in terms of who he is as a person, the kind of character he has, the competitive level he has, and the pitch because we've seen him pretty good. Uh, another guy, an older guy, Matthew Driver, I believe, came to an All-State last year. Yep. He gets an invite to a pro case, uh, starts opening some eyes, and then this fall I believe he's at Flodar. And yep. you keep hearing his name from college coaches all the time trying to get that background, and the kid's really made a jump. He has, and it's it's a family that um, his older brother was a late bloomer as well. Um, but Matthew's Matthew's story was is really interesting because he he was kind of a, a left behind player for a while, and through training and, and regiment and and adjusting his lifestyle and, and really diving into what makes pitchers tick and what can 
force pitchers to make some gains. He's really bought into that stuff. Um, I saw him this fall at Flodar, and it's pretty it's pretty electric. Um, and he's on he's going to be on our PBR JUCO top one hundred and fifty list. I think I think that those lists are coming out this week, maybe um, in terms of the draft stuff as, as we start to prepare for the junior college season. But Flodar is a, a, a team that's going to be within Region Ten and probably a top twenty five team in the country to start uh, them in Gaston. Um, Gaston College, which is the other junior college in that area that I think in the Region 10 Division I uh, scope have a chance to really do some damage on the national level if they get there. It's, it's hard to believe they'll be kicking off their seasons here in a couple of weeks. I, I know. I know. <laughs> it's the, the, and I, and I, told, I, I called the, one of the coaches from Gaston the other day and I said, you guys are wasting all the weather. You know, we've been in the 50s. It's been a little wet. We've been in the 50s. They're screwed on opening day. Yeah, that, it's going to be freaking miserable. So, most <laughs> coming at some point. Let's dive into the preseason All State South um, coming up this Sunday in Waxhaw. Um, you know, a little bit smaller roster than some of our other preseason All States. I really because we're about a month out and we get that. Um, but we also trying to get in as many of these things, see as many players as, as we can. And, um, Matt, it's a roster that I'm kind of really intrigued by. Um, we're going to see some guys that we've seen in the past. We're going to see some names that I've heard a bunch about. Is there anybody on that roster as you kind of just sift through it that, that you're really excited to see this weekend? Meridian Lafieu. Uh, he yeah. went to JFG with us last year, um, played consistent throughout the week. Uh, he goes into the fall, and, and his name just kept popping up. Um, another guy, Xavier McCory at, at Providence. Um, mm-hmm. left, left-handed hitter, uh, several co- college coaches have brought his name up. I haven't seen him in person, but really excited to see him and, and where he's at right now. And, um, I'm excited about the weekend. So one of the names that jumps out for me is Brian O'Connell, uh, Eastern Guilford. He's a little bit of a do-it-all type player, uh, lists himself as a primary catcher 2023. Uh, he's a guy that I think in normal circumstances, and I say normal, we're probably in our new normal now, but in circumstances three or four years ago, prior to the transfer portal, prior to the COVID numbers in the back pile of players, he probably would have been off the board. Um, I think it, with the way he's gone about his business and the work he's put in, he's going to end up at the right school. He's going to end up in a school where he's got a chance to contribute early and also has a chance to develop. But he's a strong physical uh, player that I think has a chance to do some damage with his bat when he steps foot on campus. You know, another name I'm intrigued by, and you'll know this name, Jake Parham, uh, 2025 shortstop from T.C. Roberson. I've seen a little bit about Jake, but obviously family lineage. You know, he's got an older brother that's a senior at, at Roberson right now, and um, anytime you kind of get those family lineages, I think sometimes the younger brother will come with a similar skill set but also may come with that little bit of that underdog chip on their shoulder because I think the older brothers kind of keep them pressed down at times, keep their keep their thumb on their on their nose and um, force those guys to play with a little bit more of that chip. So I'm excited to see those guys and you know really it's just a roster top to bottom. It's got a chance to produce you know college talent as these guys continue um, uh, to progress. So got Jake Kakovic there too. It's it's an arm that's uh, we've seen a couple of times like six foot ten. Uh, basketball player. He's in season right now, but he's scheduled to come throw. So excited to see where he's at as well. And I get, you know, that's a lot of that, what we talked about earlier. You don't know what you're going to get necessarily in January, but it's not necessarily what is Jake 
touch on the radar gun. It's it's what do we see throughout the outing? What do we see? Even when we're watching them just get loose and play long catch, you know, how does the arm work? How does the body work? But, um, you know, you, you talk about big bodies that are athletic. Everybody likes that tall pitcher. But typically there's a cutoff at about 6'6", where we've seen athletes be able to handle that height and move. Um, but there's outliers. I know you played with one at NC State. Um, who actually was a dual sport guy at state, right? Andrew Bragman. Um, yep. Could have played in the NBA, chose baseball, first rounder to the Yankees, and six foot ten, but super athletic. If you if you're not athletic and you're you're that long, it's really hard. But he was obviously a phenomenal athlete. And, you know that that's a lot of what comes back to us is is no matter you know there's there's always a what the ideal. We, we like our catchers to be this. We like our shortstops to be this. But really the overarching uh, commodity in every position is athleticism. You know, are they movers? Can they move? Can they adapt? Um, I was talking to a couple of pro scouts this morning, and that ability for hitters when they get to, to a certain level, they're going to fail. You know, and, and I know you went through it in your career. Every hitter just about in the world outside of maybe Mike Trout and a couple of the other one percenters in the big leagues, they're, they're going to fail at some point. And are they athletic movers? And do they have the, the ability to make subtle adjustments, to change, to adjust, to be coachable, so that they can continue that upward trajectory of what their talent has a chance to, to allow them to be? But the athleticism is what plays. No doubt. And it gets us a little bit into that ranking stuff, too. I know you handle a, a girth of what we do in North Carolina with our rankings. Um, and I'm sure you probably get a lot of, well, my exit velocity was 95 and his was 93. Why is he ranked ahead of me? But it's not – that's that's a piece of the puzzle. And, and really probably the biggest piece when I'm evaluating is quickness. You know, and, and you may lean a little bit more towards strength, I want quickness, but I have to have strength. You may want strength, but you have to have quickness. What we're all talking about is athleticism and, and how are they going to grow? How are they going to mature? Where are they going to be in two years? Where are they going to be in five years? And it, it profiles a little different at each position. You know, this weekend with the Dodgers, we were, we were talking about the infielders and we're like, we got to see the slow roller. We got to, you know, because that shows so right. much athleticism for an infielder and, and, and gives us good information. And that's, it's all part of the puzzle. And that's a good transition for us. We, we talk about the East Coast Dodgers. It's an organization that has really built their rosters. and It looked like it was about one team per age group. Um, but they, they kind of New York, Pennsylvania, all the way down the East Coast and with a uh, heavy depth in North Carolina, um, especially with some of their younger teams. Um, and they, they were kind enough to come to North Carolina. They brought as many of their players down as they could. They used it as a chance for their players to get to know each other, get to know their coaches. They went through and gave out a lot of their gear. Um, but we were at the, the Next Level Training Center in uh, Greenville, North Carolina. Matt, I know we've been to Next Level a couple different times. Just a, just a fantastic facility with great people. Um, your thoughts when we entered back into that building this year? Love that place. Um, so much room in there get so much done. When I was in college, that was the the first facility I went in that had an infield and a, a place to take BP where you could see the ball fly. And they also have tennis on the other side. So, you know, you get a break, you can walk, walk over there. And I remember they used to have tennis. They used to have, they had one tennis where they went straight pickleball. I'll, I'll still Fastest one sport in America. <laughs> tennis over pickleball. 
But, uh, <laughs> I always remember there was a, a young girl in there playing an adult and just wearing the adult out. And I was like, that's, that's why I didn't play tennis. No, I, you know, we, we've been in there just about once a year for the past three or four years. And, and, and Trent Britt, um, who's the owner and operator and, and his wife do a tremendous job. And, you know, it's one of those places that they do memberships and we walk in and we're going to take over the facility about the time they're closing, you know, and we're trying to get set up and stay out of all the members way, you know, meanwhile, Trent's trying to make sure the members get everything they need to do. And as soon as the time hit, boom, he was dragging the infield for us, um, which, you know, we're going to throw bullpens on it. We're going to take BP on it. And then we're, you know, we're going to use kind of a lane for our, our position players to t- take ground balls. But he had that whole thing pristine. It's clean, um, you know, uh, picked up. The, the cages are always in great shape. The turf was in great shape. So gave us a good look at the Dodgers. And the Dodgers came in, uh, you know, 60 to 80 players. Um, that, that 2026, 2027, ups to 2023s, um, and gave us a good look at the organization. What do you think of the organization in total before we start diving into players? A lot of talent on hand. They, they seem to grow every year and get better players every year. And uh, from the outside looking in, it looks like they're, they're trying to do it right and uh, player first mentality, get better promote their guys and their staff was awesome. Uh, so helpful yes. us and it, it, it made the event run, run so smooth and um, that can never be appreciated enough from our end. Yeah, I, I was, you know, you, you never know really what you're going to get into when you start seeing guys this early in the, in the season, but, you know, from a standpoint of their pitchers, they threw strikes, um, you know, they were around the zone and, and that's hard to do, especially when you've, when you've made some gains and some of their guys talking to their coaches have, have made some significant jumps, but they were around the zone and then the hitters were on the barrel. And, you know, the, the best, the best group for me probably was the infielders just in terms of there was rhythm. They caught the ball. There was accuracy on their throws, which we don't always see in a showcase setting because they know there's a radar gun on them. And as much as we say, accuracy matters, accuracy matters, you know, they want to just dial it up and, and throw it as hard as they can. It goes wherever it goes, but, you know, they were throwing into a net because it's, you know, we're enclosed a little bit and, and really, you know, throughout, it was really good rhythm in the feet, really good rhythm in the hands, easy exchanges, arms that carried and, you know, an accuracy. Um, and so I think just uh, the outlook of what they have a chance to be moving into the summer, um, I think most of their teams are going to be in really good shape. Now, pitching is going to drive the wagon. We all know that. So when they run out some of their better arms, we'll talk about some of those guys here in a minute they're going to be in really good shape. But I think top to bottom, I was pretty impressed with the athleticism. And then the, you know, I don't want to call it baseball IQ, but the understanding of what the fundamentals were and how to apply those fundamentals into the showcase setting. Yeah, you you, you could tell they'd, they'd been being coached. Their hitters got in the box and it wasn't dead pull. Let me, let me jerk and try to yank right. something for an exit below. They, they stayed through the middle, used both sides of the field. And you could tell they had a plan when they got in there for the most part. Well, let's jump into some of the hitters, um, and I'll, I'll let you kind of attack some of the guys that, that stood out. And, again, we're going to have – we've already started posting on prepbaseballreport.com. If you go to the North Carolina section, um, you're going to see stories under our news uh, yesterday. Well, yesterday was uh, Tuesday, so as we're, as we're recording, um, the stats story came out. I think today we're going to have a quick hitters from you, Matt, come out about some of the hitters. Who, who are some of the hitters you may touch on? First name that comes to mind is Carson Beavers, uh, Washington State commit. Um, not exactly sure offhand where he's from, but left-handed hitter, 
super balanced in the box, a lot of quickness and consistently barrel balls. Uh, another guy, Manny Ramos, uh, switch hitter, uh, pretty simple from both sides, a lot of line drives. And you touched on the defense. He stood out for me on the defensive side of it. Um, really relaxed, uh, good actions, didn't try to get get too quick. Um, hit on a North Carolina kid, Luke, Luke Taby, and I, I could be saying that name wrong, but I believe he goes to Wakefield High School, uh, left-handed hitter. His bat speed stood out for me, and uh, he also threw a, a really good bullpen. Yeah, Taby's at Wake Forest, and, and, and he was a guy that stood out. Um, Ramos is actually an Ohio uh, Ohio player, and like we said, these guys are from all over. It was a 2027, um, but, but the athleticism, the ease he did some things with really stood out. And, you know, like you said, the Washington State commit, Carson Beavers, um, and it, I know this is going to shock you. He's from Minnesota. So, you know, kind of a running joke in the organization, those, those kids from Minnesota and Iowa, I think have won uh, the MVP at our future games like three of the last four years, um, you know, but Beavers was a guy that really understood where the barrel was. Um, for me, one of the guys I was extremely excited to see um, just in terms of how has he continued to grow and how is he going to apply his athleticism to his game was Carter Huffman. 2026 out of New Bern. List is a shortstop primarily. He's probably right now a primary outfielder. Uh, we've had him for the last two years at the Junior Future game. So he's gone with our Junior Futures to, to Lake Point, um, and he can run. I mean, and he understands he can run, and he plays at a faster pace than a lot of people. You know, on the infield, he fights his rhythm a little bit. He fights his hands a little bit, but he does catch the ball. He does show accuracy. The arm works better from the outfield right now. But the, the thing the thing for me with Huffman is even when you're evaluating him in the cages, and, and Matt, I'd love your take on him, is he's on the barrel and there's strength, but the way it translates in the game, I don't think we score him high enough in BP because of what we see sometimes, but in game, the swing plays. Does that make sense? It, it does, and I, we touched on it a little bit earlier. He's a guy who's – body continues to develop and I think at that age you grow a little bit you put on some weight and strength you fight to get that coordination back and right he has quickness he has strong hands um he has feel for the barrel you watch him take BP it may not be as loose as you wanted to see at times but then you watch him play for a, a week in Lake Point and a great example of of he, he plays better in game than he works out um, right. He'll get, in, he'll get into some at bats, and um, he he just adjusts, and he he played so well for us this year. And um, you know, we were in some close games, and he would either start a rally or get a big hit and drive in some runs. And uh, you watch him run down the line, and and you know, you're like, man, is my stopwatch right? Because you know, he's he's moving. Right. You know, with the pitchers. So what we did with the pitchers is we basically had uh, two guys going at a time. And they were going to throw for about three minutes. And that way, you know, based on where they're at in their pitch counts and things like that, we weren't going to overload them a little bit. We just wanted to see 12 to 15 pitches. And we weren't going to dictate you have to throw this, you have to throw that, especially if they haven't thrown anything other than maybe fastball change. And so kind of really let them dictate um, what they were going to throw. One of the first guys that I saw that, that threw on my side was John D. Mitchell. Uh, and Mitchell is a, I think he's a, I'm going to look it up here real quick so I don't get it screwed up. 
He's a 2024 out of uh, Texas, Concordia Lutheran Air Force commit. And, and it was pretty evident. You know, you go, okay, that that fits. With what Air Force has done in the state of North Carolina, with watching them play uh, on TV last year, you go, yep, that guy fits with what Air Force is doing. It was athletic. There's strength available. There's projection left. Um, you know, the arm works with, with arm speed, but it's a strong athletic movement, uh, really direct. He spun a breaking ball pretty good. And then he got in the box, left-handed hitter, and he freaking, you know, was strong off the barrel. So I think he's got a chance to be a dual guy when he shows up at Air Force, and they'll figure out what he's going to be, um, you know, later on. Um, the, the name that, that kind of intrigued me before we got there, and I think he threw on your side, was Peter Hans. He did. Did you get uh, to see Peter throw over there? He, I did get to see Peter throw, and I know he had a little bit of an injury last year. Um happened during the winter and we didn't get to see him with the Dodgers but seeing him uh, it's long it's athletic it's loose the, the ball comes out of his hand really well um still early season getting it dialed in but he, he's going to be a fun guy to watch throughout the summer yeah th- those guys had about 30 guys that, that threw bullpens for us and um you know really efficient uh and, and I keep going back to especially because it was January you're kind of expecting balls to be sprayed a little bit uh, but uh, simple, easy deliveries, allowing athletic guys to be athletic, direct, direct routes, staying down the line. Um, the arms are on time for the most part. You know, they're gonna. Some guys are gonna spin it better as they get in a little bit better shape. Some guys are gonna throw harder as they get a little, you know, get a little bit closer to spring. The weather starts to warm up, things like that. Um, but overall, a very impressive group, and all of their stats are up right now on PrepBaseballReport.com. You can go to North Carolina and go to show uh, showcase our past event results. It's a drop-down tab, and you can click on the East Coast Dodgers and find all those results. If you knew a specific player that was there and you just want to look up his, you can actually type in his name in our, our player finder and find all of his results posted. Um, and we'll continue to roll reports out, Matt, here probably for the next you know, 10 days or so. Is that about right? Yeah, quick hitters, some tragman stories, and, and some other information coming out on the Dodgers. And it'll be similar stuff that comes out with preseasonal states as we continue to to ramp up towards the spring and see these guys. Um, you know, one of the other things that we're doing on the website right now uh, is is a look back at 2022. You know, so as we finish 2022, we kind of did a countdown on some of the most uh, viewed profiles on the site and and trying maybe to figure out why they were the most viewed. Um, most of them. You could pick out and go, yep, these guys are going to be in that. But there were a couple surprises in, in that top 10, just guys that had come to events and had shown well and maybe are still uncommitted. They're not they're not top 10 players in the state. They're not necessarily even top 100 players in the state, but they've worked the system a little bit, making sure their information is getting out. College coaches are clicking on their videos, clicking on their profiles, seeing their stats as they continue to update that stuff. So those came out, and then we're also working on some of the best stories of 2022. So, Matt – um, what, what were just a, a quick thought? We'll kind of bounce back and forth. Give me, give me one, um, uh, as you look back at 2022, a special moment or one of your best stories or, you know, best teams or best player, something that happened in 2022 that you think was memorable. I know we both love the high school coverage in this state. And a, a moment that stands out for me is West Forsyth, East Forsyth. I believe it was the last regular season game conference championship on the line. Uh, Xavier Isaac, first rounder to Tampa Bay, hits the first pitch of the game over the center field fence. Just crushes it. Uh, 
only hit, only run of the game. But also, also in that game, uh, Peyton Martin comes in in relief for West Forsyth, and um, also signed last year. And he comes in and hits ninety four several times, and um, pretty impressive that you can go to one high school game and, and see that much talent on the field in, in North Carolina. Yeah, and, and what's even more impressive about that one, you know, you talk about Xavier. Xavier was a name everybody knew. Xavier's a name everybody wanted to see because he had missed um, at least 12 months, you know, maybe even a little bit longer getting over an ankle injury. And so just the timing of his coming back, he missed the fall before his senior year. He missed the summer before his senior year. Scouts are kind of salivating. What's he going to be? And he shows up at our pro case and you go, okay, yep, that's a guy they're going to have to follow. Now, did, did either one of us put a first round grade on him after that day? Probably not. Um, but when I saw him in the spring, you know, I, I, I was, my number was pretty high. When you saw him a couple different times, your number was pretty high. I don't know that either one of us said, you know, are we willing to give him, you know, first round? You know, that's not our job. It's, so nobody has to, <laughs> has to grade us on that. But um, as guys are going in there to see Xavier, you know, now all of a sudden a pop-up right-hander who everybody thought was a shortstop the summer before and he's committed to East Carolina as a position player with a maybe he can pitch. But then the arm takes off and the Dodgers go, yep, that's the guy. We're going to take him. And he ends up signing. And so I think that's one of the great things about the development in the state is that they, as you're playing other good players, it's giving the players on those fields opportunity. Um, and, and so, yeah, you know, Really, you know, a great story right there. And for me, you talked about Xavier a little bit. Uh, mine was Brooks Brandon. You know, we've known Brooks really since he was in eighth grade. Um, you know, and, and his his dad is a is a baseball guy and ha- has a facility that we use for some of our events. And we went in there and saw Brooks as a freshman. Man, he can really receive. And he's the only freshman on the team that's got a chance to win a state championship. And he's kind of holding his own with him. You know, and they get into the state championship series, and and uh, was it North Lincoln as uh, just got hot, and and kind of left a bad taste in Randleman's mouth, and left, left a bad taste in Brooks's mouth. But he's got three more years. Then the next year, they're rolling and rolling and rolling, and COVID hits. Boom! First two years, no state titles, and and really a season and a half because of COVID. You get to the third year, and it's still a shortened down season. They got some other rules in place, but Randleman does get that title. And then they're bouncing just about every one of their key cogs back for the next year. And you're going, okay, they're going to be pretty good. They're going to have a chance to win a state title. It's just a matter of how good are they going to be. They got some young arms. They're going to have to pitch some key innings. And then all of a sudden you look up in about the middle of the season, and Brooks is leading the country, I think, at that point in RBIs. He's on his he's, – he's well over halfway to the state record in terms of home runs. He's hitting like 700. And, and so you start kind of following that. But in my mind, I'm thinking there's no way you're going to get close to some of those records. They're not going to pitch to him. But as we go watch them play, the offense is so good, they don't have a choice. You know, they're hitting him high in the order. If he gets on base, the guy behind him doubles and Brooks scores. You, you know, you start flipping the order, and every time he comes up, there's guys on base. And every time he comes up with guys on base, bang, he finds a barrel. You know, but really cool story watching him. He became our, our PBR State Player of the Year. Um, he was honestly, he was one of the finalists for the PBR national player of the year. Um, he was a PBR all American. 
Um, he broke the North Carolina state record for RBIs. He tied his dad's home run record, which I think is pretty cool. And he broke the state record for hits, which was one of those that was set when I was playing. I didn't think anybody get close to it. And, you know, he, he went and set that. So for me, that was one of the most memorable things of 2022. He, he had such a great year, great kid, works unbelievably hard. I know when, when we'll go in their facility to do something, he, he's always there before or after training, working, and um, Randall Men was, was a fun team to watch, great place to watch a game. Community gets behind that team. And um, I know home runs are impressive, but they're driving that many runs in a high school season, you know, especially yeah. when, you, when you run rule some teams to, to get enough at-bats to do that is, is just unreal. Yeah, I think the the story, the one of the stories that we posted on the website, the best of 2022, we did one on Brooks, but I posted one yesterday on Randleman season. And I, I think they played 34 games and I, I, they threw like 12 shutouts. And I think they had like 19 tent run rule games. So to get all those hits, to get all those RBIs, yeah, they're flipping the order because they're scoring runs, but very rarely did they play six innings. So it was, you know, even more impressive of the opportunities he got. He had to take advantage of them, and he did. I, I wish we could have seen those guys in Providence play at the end of the year. Uh, yes. Yeah, and we wrote about Providence, too. And, and was it the, the greatest high school season of all time? I, You know, uh, for me, it wasn't. They, they had a great year. Um, but I'm biased because of the age group I grew up in. I, I saw the new Hanover teams in the mid-'90s. And, and you're going to have you would you may have to go 100 no to even get on that list of what I saw those teams do. And that's that's because there's there's honest bias, you know, but they were I think they went 30, 33 and 0, 34 and 0 and, you know, rode two really good arms. And the offense was good, probably wasn't a great offense, but they scored runs because they knew who they were. You know, uh, lead off single, lead off, and then all of a sudden the guy gets on second. You're bunting him over to third. You're hitting behind him. You key hit, two strike hit in the gap. You know they did all of those things, and it wasn't a one off thing. It was every game throughout the year, and even when they played West Forsyth in the uh, was that regional semifinals. You know, lead off runner gets on first in the six, and there's going to be pressure. We're either going to run or we're going to bunt, but we're going to put some pressure on you. And it leads to a pickoff throw that advances the runner to third. Now they got runner on third and no out. So that's how they score the winning run. Um, you know, so it was one of those special years for them. Was was that the best high school team you've seen? I think so. I mean, them and Randleman, but this year both those clubs were were impressive. Um, Randleman had so much firepower on offense and obviously good arms as well. And then Providence, very talented on the mound, maybe not high-profile guys offensively, but they were confident and they could win a close game. You could you could put them down early. They were going to come back. They they super confident. Um, the, like those two arms, the two arms on the front were dominant, and and that's a separator just because of how dominant they were. I mean, they, they had Division One commits behind them that didn't get to throw a lot because those two guys, um, Jerzen Beck and um, – Foray. Yeah, Michael Foray. Those two guys were so good. Um, but it's a testament to the team, too, because when they did, when balls were put in play, they were clean with it. You know, they made plays and they limited pitch counts. And those guys were able to roll out for five, six, seven innings every time out. It wasn't like you were watching pitch counts getting to the 100, 
you know, well, you got the pitch count number now. You weren't getting to 105. You know, those guys were throwing complete games in 90, 95 pitches. So able to bounce back, able to be be good. Give me one more. What, what else you got best of 2022? Anything else stick out? Uh, our pro case last year, um, you know, we from the older guys, uh, Xavier being there, kind of his first showing coming off the in, uh, injury, and then several young guys there that you would hear the, the, the pro scouts comment, like, really good underclass roster you have here as well. And uh, I know we both love that event, but uh, just the, the talent from top to bottom, we were able to get there last year. Chance Mako was there. Uh, he'll, he'll be fun to watch this spring and um, exciting time for us early in the year. Yeah, anytime you profile an eventual first rounder, when everybody wasn't sure, it was really, that was his first outing. You know, he, he kind of kept everything under cover and under wraps and, um, Boy, it was an impressive outing. But we, you know, we had a, a bunch of dudes, ninety-two or better, and um, even our younger guys. I think every younger guy we brought there ended up at East Coast Pro. So, you know, and that's one of the things we're trying to do for the pro scouts is give them an early look at the seniors. But also, hey, you guys haven't started on this class yet. We're a little ahead of you, but here's some guys to think about for East Coast Pro. And then, you know, all those guys got there. Um, you know, to piggyback off that, my my last one, big one for the 2022 season would be the team we took to Atlanta uh, for the future games. You know, similar to what you're talking about with the with the uh, pro case, the buzz around the roster, you know, and, and honestly trying to keep that roster intact the final two weeks because we had some guys <laughs> really starting to show well before they went down there. And we're going, hey, if you, if you commit, you can't go to Atlanta. And just, you know, I know, but I, it's hard to fill a roster on five days. So just give me five days, commit when you're down there. Um, the, the big The big coming out, was probably Briggs McKenzie. You know, I think you had seen it. You were extremely high on him. We had not seen that velocity. You know, we'd seen 84, 86. We'd heard some 87s, 88s. We'd seen the breaking ball. We'd seen the pitch ability. We'd seen the calmness. Um, but he gets matched up against Team Missouri on day three, who may have been one of the best hitting teams uh, at the event. And, you know, for two innings, you know, anything he threw, missed bats. In the zone, out of the zone, up, down, Hard, soft, it didn't matter, and he was just in complete control. Um, you know, his outing, uh, Anderson Nance's outing, kind of solidified his number one ranking when there's some people knocking on the door. Um, you know, the athleticism, the tick up and velocity again for him there. Um, one of my favorites, Walker McDuffie. Um, you know, was a, low, a lower slot guy, a multi-slot guy, a slider guy, a sink guy. You know, and, and we almost – we almost had to extend an inning so he could throw more, which doesn't happen because you're facing good hitters. But his first inning, he threw six pitches. He got two outs on two pitches in the next inning. So he's gone all the way down to Atlanta. He's going to throw two innings. He's got thrown eight pitches. So we almost had to, you know, say, hey, we're going to let two more hitters hit so that he can throw more. Um, you know, fortunately, I think we we booted a ball or something. And so he had to – he got extended a little bit. But – you know, it's a guy whose stuff just in a bullpen setting isn't going to electrify anybody. It's really intriguing because it's it's a quick arm and he moves so well. But you put him in a game setting and, you know, hitters don't want to face him. You know, there, there's not a whole lot of want to, especially from right-handed guys that get in the box against him. And that stood out there and it eventually led to a commit to Chapel Hill. He's not going to walk anybody, that's for sure. Right. He's super competitive. And then Cade Morris was on that team. He shows up, yep. throws for us at Campbell. Uh, throws day one down there, commits to NC State not long after. Um, 
Jason. Another Porter. one of those dual tall guys we talked about. The elite mover, elite athleticism that kind of handles a six nine frame. Yeah, really firm downhill. Uh Jason Parsons uh comes, I believe, to a Raleigh event, uh taken yep. down there and handles his own against quality arms and uh works his tail off Did behind. A great the job receiving guys. Yeah. Um it was a, it was a fun club, and I, I know he's a South Carolina kid, but we both both love Soto from down there. Just uh, I could watch that kid take ground balls every day. Uh, so fun to yeah, watch, I, and, and it'll be interesting to see kind of what he does this spring too, because it'll be a hot commodity. As as I still don't think he's committed. I mean, right. I could be off on that. Obviously, it's a South Carolina player, so not quite as dialed in day to day on what they're doing down there. But you know, again, it, it, his his athletic routine, his athletic rhythm stands out and showcases and then in gameplay it's it's even faster you know and 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 he he was one of those guys too he's quiet but he has that charm and that ability where guys in the in the in the dugout were kind of drawn to him um and so that's it's neat to see when those guys um you know get a chance to be around guys of equal playing ability they still have that and he did he it's, it's he's kind of got that glue guy type thing to him you know, as long as, as he's kind of around the game, those guys are drawn to him. Yeah, the camaraderie of that club was really good. That, that was a fun week and, and great group of kids and uh, looking forward to going back this year. No doubt, no doubt. Well, Matt, we're going to try and do this every week or so, especially as we're going through the winter and then we get into the spring, we'll get more into the high school season. Um, you know, we're a little rusty, but I don't think we sucked at this. So we'll, we'll try and do it again next week. Yeah, if, if Kirby takes an NFL job this week, will we still do it next week? No, we're done. We're done. <laughs> it, well, I'll be in a ditch somewhere, so you have to come get me. So, no. He's Matt Payne. I'm Brandon Hall. We'll see you here at the uh, PBR North Carolina podcast next week. Thanks, guys.